You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. I'm ready to get in the Word tonight. Are y'all ready for the Word? Let's go. Well, uh, we're not just jumping into the Word tonight, but we are actually kicking off a brand new series. And y'all know I love a brand new series. Uh, so if you're ready, I need you to get your notes out. Do whatever you need to do to get yourself in the posture that's ready to receive. We say this every week, but it matters because what we're about to do is so important. We're about to crack open the Word of God, and God is about to talk to you. And I would hate for you to miss out on what God is trying to say to you. So you got to posture your heart, your mind, take notes, do whatever you got to do. But we are kicking off tonight the longest series that we have ever been in in the history of New Song students. Somebody say, okay. This is going to be the longest series we've ever done. It's going to be a nine-week series. Let's go. And if you're a Bible nerd in the house, then you probably already know exactly what we're talking about just by me saying the number nine, because we're jumping into something found in Galatians chapter five called, does anybody know what it is? There ain't no Bible nerds in the house tonight. (laughs) I'll help you out. It's the fruit of the spirit. Somebody say the fruit of the spirit. Man, I thought we had some Bible nerds in the house. We need to work on that, okay? But that's okay. We're kicking off a nine-week series on the fruit of the spirit. This is a series that I have been personally really looking forward to for a couple months now. The second we put it on the calendar, I was looking forward to it for a couple of reasons. The first reason is actually that if you uh, uh, back, backtrack three and a half years ago, uh, before New Song students ever started doing our own series, we were, what we were doing during uh, meeting, and meeting and doing community group was we were just talking about the weekend messages. We didn't have our own New Song students series when we first started. We were just doing like a glorified community group, basically. But three and a half years ago, our first series that we ever did in New Song Students was about, guess what it is? The fruit of the Spirit. And so full circle, what I'm so excited about is when I look back at that first series that we ever did on the fruit of the Spirit, it wasn't nine weeks long. We broke it down into three weeks. But the first series we ever did, it changed the way we did small groups. Something shifted in that series And it's what we're still walking in today, that the types of small groups that we have where we don't just mess around it, but we really dig in and we're talking and we're transparent about what God is telling us. That started in that series. So that's the first reason why I'm really excited. But the second reason um, that I'm really excited about this is uh, that we're not just talking about each fruit and defining it and being like, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then this is what love is. But what we're actually gonna do in this series is we're recognizing that the Holy Spirit isn't the only one trying to grow fruit in our life. There's an opposite fruit that is trying to grow in our life, opposite, counterfeit to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. And so that's why we're calling this series, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This series is called The Way of the Spirit versus The Way of the Flesh. Ooh, We ain't messing around, y'all. The next nine weeks, we are not messing around. The way of the Spirit. Somebody say the Spirit. Spirit. Versus the way of the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. The way of the Spirit versus the way of the flesh. When it comes to everything that we're going to be talking about for the next nine weeks, you and I, we got to understand that we are either walking in the way of the Spirit or we're walking in the way of the flesh. I want you to see this because there's no gray area in this. There's like no neutral ground where you're just kind of like chilling. No, you and I are either walking in the spirit or we're walking in the flesh. There's no gray area. We went into the gray earlier this year, but we're not going into the gray anymore. This stuff is black and white, but I believe that this series is so strategic. Um, I think it's strategic because I think the Holy Spirit planted, because I don't know if you've noticed, but we're growing a lot here in New Song Students. Has anybody else noticed that or is it just me? We are growing a lot, and growth is exciting, man. When I look around at this room, especially during worship, and I'm right up here, and we're worshiping, and I just take a second to just, like, do a little twirl, 
and I look around the room and I see a room full of students worshiping God, going after God, you know, that gets me so fired up. I'm excited about the growth that I see, but at the same time, what we've got to understand, and I want, I want you guys to know that just because something is big doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. You can have big things and not be healthy. Just because there's a lot of people that go there, just because it's exciting and there's some hype behind it, doesn't mean it's healthy. Now, I say all that to say this. When I look at us, when I see you guys, I see hungry students. I see students who want the word of God, students who are chasing after God. So I believe with all of my heart, what God is doing here is, in fact, healthy. But here's why this series is strategic. As we continue to grow, what we've got to recognize is the more that we're given, the more that's going to be required of all of us. Not just me, not just the leaders, but every single one of you, because I can promise you this, no matter how exciting New Song Students continu continues to be on, on Wednesday nights, the thing that's going to make or break this ministry and the effect we make is whether you and I are growing the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Every single one of us, we have to have the fruit of the Spirit growing and showing in our lives. Amen? Amen. So, if you believe that, say, give me that fruit. Give me that fruit. We're going to kick off the series, obviously, in Galatians chapter 5, because that's where the fruit of the Spirit are found. But I want to read to you a chunky passage, because if you haven't been here in a while, or you're new, or you've never heard me say the word chunky, that means that we like our scripture thick. We like it big. I'm not just going to read one verse to you. I'm sorry, but we love the word of God here. So, Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 16, this is the entire series, nine weeks, right here in one passage. It says this, but I say, walk by the what? Spirit. Let's say it again. Walk by the what? Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these opposed so these are opposed to each other. You see how there's, it's black and white? It's one or the other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of, works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity. Somebody just woke up and they weren't listening, but they're awake now. <laughs> Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. Man, there's a lot of works of the flesh. Hello. But look at this. Let's continue. It says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is this ringing a bell for anybody? Against such things, there is no law. And those who, who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the what? Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's something I've been praying recently. This is just a nugget for you guys. I think you should pray this too. Holy Spirit, set my pace today. Set my pace this week. Help me to keep in step with the Spirit. Last thing is this. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So tonight is going to be kind of like a two, three-parter message because we're kicking off the whole series. So we got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to talk about a bunch of different things, and we're going to actually end with the title of this message. If you're taking notes, write this down. We're talking about the way of love versus the way of selfishness. The way of love versus the way of selfishness. Before we do though, let's pray. So Father, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you so much that you orchestrate things so perfectly, God. I did not have a conversation with Maddie about the message that I preached, but in worship, the love of God was being poured out tonight on us. And that is what you called me to preach tonight. So God, you are moving tonight. I, I believe there are some people in this room tonight who need a touch of the love of God tonight. And so open our eyes, Lord, because the reality is 
We can't even comprehend your love, but help us to have some understanding of how good, how deep, how high, how long and how wide your love is for us. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you for this message. Would you breathe on everything I say and speak to every single student tonight in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, before we get into the message, I actually want to give you all nine weeks, the topics, for all nine weeks right now. So you can take a picture of the screen. They'll leave it up for you long enough for you to take a photo of it. Don't try and write this down. You're not going to have time to, okay? Sound good? But this is going to be the next nine weeks. We're talking about love versus selfishness, joy versus despair, peace versus anxiety, patience versus hurry, kindness versus harshness, where am I at? Goodness versus brokenness, faithfulness versus compromise, gentleness versus roughness, and the last one is self-control versus appetites. Ooh, I don't know about you, but just that that list alone gets me really excited about the next nine weeks. It's going to be such a good series, but let's dive into this. You know, I think there personally is a little bit of a misconception that comes uh, with us growing up in church. If you've grown up in church in the minds of Christians, I think we have a misconception when we think about this thing called the fruits of the Spirit. We tend to view the fruit of the Spirit as like this kind of like cute, soft thing that you like teach little kids and you have them memorize when they're in Sunday school class. You know what I'm talking about? Did you do this as a kid? You memorized the fruits of the Spirit when you're younger? Like this is stuff that you teach kids so that they hopefully grow up to be kind people one day. Like that's what the fruit of the Spirit are for. We want to tell kids, hey, good people are loving. Good people are happy and joyful, so be happy. Good people are kind. Good people are gentle. So children, make sure you do these things. You know what I'm talking about? Like we memorize these and we say, be a good person. We think about the fruit of the Spirit as just nice qualities that go along with being a good person. But I think there are two dangers that we face as Christians when we see the fruit of the Spirit as like this low elementary, like that's for kids. That's like, that's kids ministry talk. We don't do fruit of the Spirit in students because we're big. We're big, big, that's right. But it's not that way. It's not an elementary school topic. If we view it that way, there's two dangers. The first one is this. We start to think that it's not the fruit of the Spirit, but it's the fruit of good people. It's the fruit of good people. These are qualities that come when you're a good person, when you try to be a good person. And then we look at ourselves and we judge ourselves based off these qualities. Am I doing these things? Am I trying very hard to be patient, to be loving, to be gentle, to be kind? And the second danger that comes from that is thinking that it's possible Listen to me. I want you to get this. Thinking that it's possible to experience any of, the, any of these fruits apart from the Holy Spirit. We can fall into this trap of thinking that it's actually possible to walk in the real version of love without the Holy Spirit. Walking in the real version of kindness or the real version of self-control without the Holy Spirit. Like I think we tend to think of these things as things that we can all do in our natural state. And then what the Holy Spirit does is he just comes in and he, kind of, he just kind of turns it up a little bit. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is that you cannot walk in the real fruits of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Now, fun fact, I think this is the, the, the hard part about all this. Sometimes we can start to believe this lie, both of these lies, unfortunately, because you can be in church and not have the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Fun fact, I don't know if you noticed, but not everybody who goes to church on a regular basis is loving. Did you know that? You probably knew that because you're not loving all the time, right? <laughs> not everybody who goes to church, goes to New Song Students, serves on every team, is always bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And at, t- at times, it can even seem like Christians look no different than the people of the world. We can see people in our church, people in our families. We can even look inside and see ourselves not not being patient, not walking in love, not walking in kindness, not walking in self-control. And then at the same time, we can look at quote-unquote good people out in the world, not connected to the Holy Spirit, and we can see these same qualities in them. And then we start to think, 
So wait, do I need the Holy Spirit to be good? Do I need the Holy Spirit to be loving? Do I really need the Holy Spirit to help me be patient? Or is that something that I can just do in my own strength? So what's the difference between the, the love that the Spirit wants to give us and why do I need the Holy Spirit to help me do these things? This is exactly why this entire series is so important for us to understand because all of those things that we see outside in the world, these, these not real versions of love or patience or gentleness, all of these are counterfeit versions of the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody say counterfeit. What is a counterfeit? That means it looks like the real thing. It may look almost exactly like the real thing. But if it's a counterfeit, does it have any value? Does it have any value? Okay, I've got a question for you guys. I have a $100 bill up here tonight. Now, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, illustrations guy, but Pastor JR brought a hideaway pizza last week on stage. So I was like, I got to one-up this guy, okay? He can't, he can't come to New Song Students and one-up me. So I got a $100 bill. Does anybody want this? Because, like, you know, let's be real. Like, $100, it's, like, not that much money. But you could do some stuff with $100, right? What would you do with $100? You could, you could throw it into savings, right? Do the responsible thing. You could throw it into savings. Who's driving right now? Who's driving? You could take $100. You could probably get your oil changed, which, by the way, this is your reminder if you drive. You probably need to get your oil changed. <laughs> Stop procrastinating, okay? You could take this $100. You could go to Dollar General and probably get 100 random assortments of items, you could, uh, you could go to Taco Bell and probably feed 15 people with $100, right? Maybe more. I don't know. So I'm curious. Who wants this? Anybody want this? Okay. So a lot of people who want this. Who really wants this? Okay. Okay. Hold on. Now, hold on. Do you want it, though, if I told you that this is, like, not a real $100 bill? Do you want it anymore? Come on. Don't play. Do you really want this anymore? Okay, Ruby, come here. This is yours. I'm sorry. It's fake. Give Ruby a hand. Make some noise for Ruby. No, but hear me out, though. The second that you recognize that that isn't counterfeit, how many of you know? It doesn't matter how good that counterfeit looks. Do you want it? Do you want it? Why? Because it's not the real thing. It doesn't matter how close it looks like the real thing, how much it resembles the real thing. If it's not from the source, then there's no value. There's no power in it. This is what I'm trying to get us to understand about the fruit of the Spirit, the real version of love. Are you following me tonight? The real version of joy, of peace, of patience, of all of the fruit, guess where they come from? Where do they come from? The Holy Spirit. The real version. So that means that anything that we see that looks like joy, that looks like love, but is not being sourced by the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's a counterfeit. And we don't want counterfeits because at the end of the day, they don't add any value to our life. Amen. Are you following me with this? So this is our mission for the next nine weeks. We are trying to discover, okay, if there's counterfeits in our world that look really similar to the fruits of the Spirit, then we need to know how to decipher what is real and what is fake. Are you following me? What is the way of the spirit and what is the way of the flesh? We've got to know what is real and what is fake. So before we get into the fruit of, what's the first fruit? Love. Before we get into love tonight, we got to first talk about fruit. And this is my favorite part of the message because who doesn't like fruit, right? Fruit is amazing. If you don't like fruit, I want to let you know, we've got amazing leaders that are going to be up here at the end of service, and they would love to lay hands on you and pray for healing over your mind and just deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus, because fruit is awesome, right? Fruit is tasty. And you know, there's a reason, there's a reason why Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, compared and described these qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. He compared them to fruit for a reason. And, you know, all throughout the Bible, we see God doing this. We see God taking natural things that we deal with on a regular basis, 
things that we can see with our physical eyes. And he uses that picture to compare it to a spiritual truth. Why? Because we can't always see things spiritually with our eyes. So he compares it to things that we do understand. Like, for instance, our faith is, to, is compared to a lot of things in Scripture. It's compared to a mustard seed. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Our faith is like a mustard seed. What does that mean? It's actually a really cool truth. It means that it actually doesn't take a lot of faith on our part for God to move. And that is good news for you. Somebody say amen. amen. It actually doesn't take a lot of faith on our part for God to move. It just depends on where we're placing that seed, right? We've talked about this before. Our faith is also compared to something. It's compared to a shield, right? A shield. What does that mean? That means our faith is supposed to be blocking our lives, covering our lives from the attacks that the enemy, because we have a real enemy that's coming against you, our faith is supposed to block those attacks. The Bible is compared to some natural things that we see in our life. It's compared to something that is really tasty called bread, right? It's compared to bread. Why? What does bread do? Bread nourishes you. It fills you up. It gives your body nutrients. In the same way, the word of God, it fills your spirit up. And so that's why we eat it. That's why we get in it. But the word of God is also compared to a belt. Did you know that? The belt of truth. The word of God is the belt of truth. Here's what I love about this. This will preach. This is just a little mini message. What does that mean? That means, guess what? We don't hit people with the word of God. The word of God is not for us to cut people with. Guess who cuts people with the Bible? The spirit. So what do we do? We wear it. We display the word of God with our life. It's the belt of truth. The last one is this. People who are in the house of God, committed to the house of God, are compared to a tree or a plant that is flourishing. That means it's growing. It's producing fruit. What does that mean for us? That means when you and I choose to stay put for a long period of time, consistent period of time in the house of God, your life will flourish. That's a good promise, right? So all of the time, Scripture is comparing spiritual truths to natural things we see in the world. And in the same way, Paul is comparing these fruits, these qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in us. He's comparing it to fruit because in the same way, it grows and it functions in a similar way. So I got three thoughts for us about fruit before we get into the spirit of love, the way of love. The first thing is this might sound a little obvious, but it's an important one to talk about. Fruit grows. Somebody say, mind blown. Fruit grows. Write that down. Some of y'all are like, I, I, I kind of figured, Pastor Jackson. Fruit grows. Duh. What are you talking about? Well, I want to go back to the passages of Scripture that we opened up in because there is a one-word difference between the way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit. And this one word changes the meaning of everything. Check this out. We know, what, what does it say here? It says, Galatians 5.18. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now, it doesn't say the fruit of the flesh. What is that word right there? It says the... Oh, we're frozen. I'll give it to you. It says the works of the flesh. Somebody say works. Works. So it's not called the fruit of the flesh. It's the works of the flesh. Now let's skip down. Galatians 5.22. What does it say? But the fruit of the Spirit. So here's what's interesting about this one little word difference. The way of the spirit and the way of the flesh are both producing things in our lives, but the difference is how they are producing things. One is produced through working and the other is produced through connection. I hope you're getting this tonight. David Guzik says this, fruit isn't achieved by working, but is birthed by abiding and sustained through connection. So what I want you to see, and maybe you can agree with me, have you ever seen a fruit that is hanging on a tree and it is sweating because it's working so hard to, to grow? Have you ever seen a fruit just like, grow, just like veins popping out on this pineapple or this apple, just, no. That would be crazy, right? 
because that's not how fruit grows. Fruit doesn't strive. I hope you're hearing this tonight. Fruit doesn't strive. Fruit doesn't squeeze. Fruit doesn't work all day long so that the tree can look at the fruit and say, well done. I'm going to give you the, the nutrients you need because you've been working really hard. That's not how it works. As long as it's connected to the tree, it's going to grow, right? In the same way, this is an amazing picture of the fruit of the Spirit. It is not grown when you and I memorize the fruit of the Spirit and then all week long we just think, okay, try and love harder. Try and be more patient. Dang it, I'm really bad at being patient. Try, try to be more patient. Try to be more kind. That is not how the fruit of the Spirit grows. It grows not by us working and trying to earn the growth from God. It comes from us just staying connected. That's how it comes. We simply grow fruit when we choose to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's really good news for everybody in this room because you know what that means? That means you could be a Christian for five seconds. And if you are connected to the Holy Spirit, you're in a perfect place for fruit to grow. And at the same time, that means that you could be a Christian for 30 years and not be producing fruit. But all you got to do is say, okay, hold on, time out. Am I trying to work to earn all this fruit or am I staying connected to the Holy Spirit? The answer is not to work on it. The answer is to connect to God. So how do we do that? Well, Matthew 15, 5, Jesus makes it really clear for us. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do some things. No. You can do a little bit. No, no, no. What does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So how do we stay connected to the Spirit? Well, in Romans 8, 5, Paul makes it really clear. He says this. For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They're just setting their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit pray every day from four in the morning till noon. Is that what it says? No, no, no. What does it say? For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This isn't Paul just telling you and I, hey, think happy thoughts all day. This is Paul telling you and I, Think about truth. Think about truth. Are you hearing me? We have to learn. This is not rocket science. All we have to do to stay connected to the Spirit is learn how to pattern our life, to create habits in our life, to have relationships in our life where we are constantly being reminded, oh, I need to be connected to the Spirit. Oh, right now, I need to be praying. Oh, right now, I need to remember that God's got me. Are you following me? We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. The second thing that we see in fruit is this. Fruit shows. Somebody say fruit shows. Fruit shows. Fruit is proof. Fruit is evidence that there's something happening, that there's a connection being made. But not only is it evidence, it's also an identifier. That means when you look at a tree, and you don't know what tree it is, but then you see an apple on it, what kind of tree is it? It's an apple tree. You know, when Haley and I, when Haley and I first bought our house, uh, one of the things that we really wanted and we were really excited about looking for was having trees in our house. Because I grew up in a home in Texas where there were zero trees. No trees in our front yard, no trees in our backyard. So when this was on my list of like our dream home. I wanted to have some trees, y'all. So when we started looking for our house and we found the house that we live in now, we had some trees, y'all. Amen. Praise God. We had a tree in the front yard, just one. And then we had, I think, three or four trees in the backyard. But when we moved into our house, it was in the winter of 2019. So we move into the house and uh, everything was dead, naturally, obviously. And so I knew no idea. I had no idea what kind of trees these were. These were just trees for me. And so as the year continued to go on and the season started to change, our trees in our backyard started getting these really pretty flowers. And we were like, oh, this is so awesome. We have trees. This is amazing. And then 
over time, we started to see fruit growing on some of our trees. And we recognized that there are two fruit trees in our backyard. I've got a mulberry tree, and I used to have an apple tree. It's dead now. <laughs> but the first year we were there, it was an apple tree. Now, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm not really a tree guy. So you probably, could, you probably thought I was a tree guy. But I don't know a whole lot about trees, y'all. I don't, I don't know a lot about tree species. and Species, I don't know. Species, how do you say that word? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know a lot about trees, y'all. But the, the second I saw the fruit being produced on those trees, I didn't need to know a lot about trees to know, oh, that's a mulberry tree. To look at the tree in my backyard and go, oh, that's an apple tree. What I'm trying to get us to see is fruit shows. The fruit of the Spirit are not just good qualities that are to be found in good Christians. The fruit of the Spirit are supposed to function as evidence for your life proving that the real God of the universe exists. That's what we're called to do. We're called to bear fruit, to prove to the world that we serve a God who loves people. So just to quickly piggyback off of what Pastor JR talked about last week, we talked about spiritual integrity. Do you remember this message? Y'all got quiet. Do you remember this message? Okay, just make sure you're still there. Spiritual integrity. If we were to gather some people that are on your team or to gather some people that know you at school and bring them here and have them describe you to me or describe you to your small group leader or describe you to your parents, would they describe a person that is bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Would they describe a person that's bearing the fruit of the Spirit? In the same way, our, our pastor, Pastor Josh, when he preached on the fruit of the Spirit a couple years ago, he said it like this. If you were taken to court and convicted for being a Christian, would the judge be able to find enough evidence to prove that you are guilty? Would there be enough fruit in your life produced for the judge to say, this is a Christian, without a shadow of a doubt? That is the real version of fruit. That is the real version of love in your life. This is what we've got to see grown in our life. Fruit shows us who and what we're connected to, but it also shows our world who and what we're connected to. And the final thing about fruit is this. Fruit feeds. Somebody say fruit feeds. Fruit feeds. Fruit is not grown, and then it's grown for us to just admire and just look at and be like, wow, look at how amazing my fruit is. No, we produce fruit in our life so that people can take it from us and eat from it. That is why we produce fruit. It's not for me. It's for you. And you produce fruit for others. You know, one of the funny things about those trees that were in our backyard is that at first, we were really excited that we discovered that we had some fruit trees. Because I don't know, it's just kind of cool when you're getting to tell people you just bought a house and there's two, not just one. You got two fruit trees in your backyard. That's just kind of exciting. So at first, you know, the fruit starts being produced and we were just looking at it. That's all we did. We were like admiring it, like looking out the window, like, look at all those apples. We should start making like mulberry jam or something like that. And we're just admiring this fruit. Oh, look at how pretty it is. But that first year that we lived in the house, we didn't eat any of the fruit. We ate zero fruit because the apples were nasty. They were like Granny Smith apples, but more bitter. They were not good. So you know what happens when you don't eat fruit from a tree? Eventually, what does it do? It falls to the ground and it becomes an absolute pain in the butt. Because that first summer that we were in the house, I loved the fruit. I loved admiring it. But the second all those fruits started getting ready and falling to the ground, well, I had to do something about it because I had to mow the grass, right? So I'd have to come out early, way before I wanted to, with two trash bags. And I'd have to start piling these trash bags full of apples and throw them away. And I'd come back and I'd have three trash bags done. And it would look like I didn't even make a dent in this pile of apples, hundreds of apples. So your boy got lazy and he just started mowing over these apples. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, y'all. I was like, this is taking way too long. And just started mowing over all of my apples. Now, that worked at first, except you know what happened over time? 
my yard started to smell like rotten apples. Everything in the ground just started rotting. It smelled disgusting. But you know what, though? I think this is actually a really great picture of what happens when we are growing fruit in the spirit and we are not feeding people. Because you know what that turns into? That turns into self-righteousness. So you know what happens? That just starts to become a rotten smell in people's lives. We just start to grow fruit and we start to think, man, I'm pretty awesome. Man, I am a pretty patient person. I'm really kind. I've been really good with self-control. I haven't looked at that. I haven't committed that sin and like, I don't even know how long. Look at how good I'm doing. Are you following me? And when we start to grow fruit and we are not doing what we're called to do, which is what? Feed people. That fruit eventually is going to fall. It is going to rot. And it is going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths and a bad smell in people's noses. That's because fruit is grown in us, but it is not grown for us. It's grown for others. So fruit grows. Somebody say fruit grows. Fruit shows. And fruit feeds. Amen. Well, I'm glad we've talked about fruit now for the most of this message. Now, are you ready to talk about love? (laughs) I know we're almost done. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but we need to talk about the first fruit of the Spirit. And uh, so, with the short time we have, I want to talk about this. I want to look at the difference between that love, the love that comes from being connected to the Spirit, and the way of love that comes from the flesh, the world. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. we got to talk about a world-shaped love. Because remember, we talked about counterfeits. Sometimes the love that we see in the world, sometimes it looks similar to the love that we're trying to cultivate here in the church. Sometimes it looks really different. But we got to talk about a world-shaped love. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this. It says, but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of what? Self. Self. People will be lovers of self. Now, we don't have time to go through the entire list, but this passage, it just starts running off a huge, massive list of terrible qualities that are gonna be found in people in the last days. But I don't think it's a coincidence that the very first quality it names is this. People will be lovers of self. You know, there's a lot of different ways that a world-shaped love looks different than the love that the Spirit of God wants to grow in us. But at its core, at its core, the main difference is this. It's a love for self that is greater than a love for others. A world-shaped love is a love that is greater for myself than it'll ever be for you. Are you following me? And see, this is why. It's because the fruit that is produced when we walk in a world-shaped love is this. It's selfishness. We're talking about the way of love versus the way of selfishness. Let's be real. We love us some us, right? We love us some us. When you look at a picture of a group that you were in, who's the first person you look for? Be real. Who's the first person you look for? It's yourself. What do you do? You start, you start pinching in. You're like, how do my teeth look? Have you ever done that before? You know why? It's because we love us some us, right? But we live in a world, you know, we live in a world that is constantly pushing us towards self-fulfillment above everything else. You know, the algorithm in our feeds is carefully curated to keep us wanting more stuff for who? For ourselves. It is carefully curating more products that you think you need to make yourself happy. Can we be real tonight? The the pornographic culture that we find in our world today is literally wiring people's brains to think that sex is for you alone. It's just for you, and it should be as easily accessible as possible. That's the world that we live in. And on top of all of that, We've got this phrase, y'all. We've got this phrase that sounds harmless on the outside, but is doing damage to our culture. And it's this phrase right here. You do you, bro. Have you ever heard that before? You do you, bro. Who am I to tell you that you're wrong? In fact, we live in a culture that says it's actually very unloving, right? 
it's very unloving to tell people that they're being selfish or to tell people that they're wrong or that they're hurting others. We say this, you do you, bro. And you know what? That phrase is totally fine if we're talking about the type of working out you like to do. Like, you do you, bro. You don't want to do CrossFit? That's okay. You do you. That phrase is totally fine if we want to talk about, like, whether you like putting chips on your sandwich or not. (laughs) But when it comes to, listen to me, when it comes to truth, when it comes to how we deal with people, when it comes to how we fulfill the deepest needs in our hearts, that phrase, you do you, it doesn't work. That's because the world, uh, the world, the worldly love that we see is based off of this deep desire of selfishness. I want to read a quote to you tonight. And uh, I promise you, you did not think you would be hearing a quote from the founder of the Church of Satan tonight. But <laughs> we're going there. The founder of the Church of Satan, his name is Anton LaVey. You want to know what he says about Satanism? He says this, we don't worship Satan we worship ourselves. Let that sink in for a second. We don't worship Satan, we worship ourselves using the metaphorical representation of the qualities of Satan. Satan is the name used by Christians for that force of individuality and pride within us. So we could quite literally say that this world-shaped love is satanic in nature. Selfish love is so opposite to the way of God's version of love that it is quite literally satanic. Now, I know this sounds really harsh, but I say all of this to say this. We don't fix the selfishness in our heart by knowing that we have selfishness in our heart and then trying not to be selfish. That's not how we fix it. Because what we gotta recognize is the fruit of a world-shaped love is selfishness. So what is the root Are you following me? If the fruit is selfishness, then what is driving all of that selfishness? Well, the root of a world-shaped love says this, I need love. I need love. The the, the fruit is selfish. It looks really bad. But the, the, the root of that selfishness is this phrase right here, I really need to be loved the root that is feeding all of the selfishness that we see in the world, all of it, that is destroying families, that is destroying the culture that we live in, the world that we see, all of it can be boiled down to this need of love that we are all wired with. And I'm not even talking about on a spiritual level. I'm talking about on the very natural, physical way that you and I are wired. We are wired to be loved. I want to invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. But can I read to you something that I learned in college? Is that okay with you guys? I want to read to you something I learned in college. It's called the Frederick's Experiment. So I want you to follow along. It'll be on the screen behind me. But it says this. Back in the 13th century, the king of Sicily, Frederick II, conducted a diabolical experiment intended to discover what language children would naturally grow up to speak if never spoken to. Does that make sense to everybody? So check this out. He thought that it would rather be, he thought that it would either be Hebrew, Greek, Latin, or Aramaic. So King Frederick the Great took babies from their mothers at birth and placed them in the cares of nurses who were forbidden to speak to them. So he wants to discover, okay, if nobody talks to a fresh baby, are they going to start speaking in a specific language? So he gives them to these nurses, and he says, don't say a word to these babies. To his great dismay, oh, sorry, but the second rule that was imposed to them as well, the nurses were not allowed to touch the infants. To his great dismay, Frederick's experiment was cut short, but not before tragically significant things were revealed. As you may have guessed, the babies grew up to speak no language at all, because they died. In the year 1248, the Italian historian named, I'm not even gonna try and say that dude's name, recorded with an air of scientific observation, he said they could not live without petting. The babies literally died because they weren't touched. Look at this. Modern medicine calls this phenomenon failure to thrive. For some reason, we humans flourish under the influence of love 
and we gradually die without it. Modern science is now proving through controlled studies that human beings are literally engineered for love. We were made for love as if our DNA contains the message, you must be loved and love to survive. So I'm trying to paint this picture to you that all of the selfishness that we see in our world today, it looks really bad on the outside. And guess what? That fruit of selfishness is ugly. It hurts people. The fruit that we see of selfishness in us does not look good. But when you peel all of the layers back of that selfishness, you know what that cry inside of you is saying? I need to be loved. I need to be loved. And if you think about the most selfish thing that you've ever done in your life, I want you to maybe imagine something selfish that you've done in your past. Maybe you didn't help somebody that you knew you totally could have. Maybe you said something, maybe you stole something from somebody, whatever that is. Think about that selfish thing you did. You know, on the, on the inside of that motivation, the reason why you did that was because you were lacking love in an area of your heart. You were trying to fill an area. So what do we need? Well, we were wired for love, but not just any general sort of love. You and I were wired for a Christ-shaped love. You were wired for Christ-shaped love. John Tyson says this, to love well in a time of selfless selfishness, we have to be loved well. So we're talking about walking in the fruit of love tonight. And remember, this is a type of love that we're called to walk in. So we're called to love people well. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is that you will never love people like Jesus until you recognize that Jesus loves you first. You see, the root before we talk about the fruit of what Christ-shaped love looks like, what does the root look like? The root looks like this. I'm already loved. I hope you're getting this tonight. The root of a Christ-shaped love is you and I recognizing I'm already loved. 1 John 4, 8 says this, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. In this love, in this love of God was made manifest in us. Ephesians 3, 17 says this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. Look at this. I love what Paul says right here. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great for you to understand. Here's the reality. God loves you so much, you and I can't even comprehend it in our minds. We can't even understand it. But this is the love we're called to live from. And this is my favorite scripture. Romans 5, 8 says, But God's love, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, that was when Christ died for us. So some of us are still busy in the works of the flesh. We are working to fill this Christ-shaped love in our heart. Maybe you're running to things like sin, you're running to things, you're doing things you never could have imagined you would do to try and fill this void because you know what? People will do crazy things to feel loved. I, I promise you because I've been there before. So maybe you're here tonight and you are running to things and working to fill this love. And you're running to sin, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're a person and you are tight with God, but you do not live like you are loved by God. You are trying to work and earn and be a good Christian so that God can love you. But can I remind you what that scripture says? It says, Christ died while you were still in your sin. So that's like, think about the worst thing you've ever done in your in entire life. I can remember a time in my life when I was living in sin and I was doing the worst things I have ever done in the history of Jackson Wilson. And it was dark and it was deep and embarrassing. I wouldn't want anybody to live what I lived in, but in that very moment, not right now, in that moment, Jesus saw me and said, I'll choose you. In your very worst moment of life, Jesus looks at you and he says, that's when I want you. I love you. 
There's nothing you could do to earn the love that I wanna give you. New Song students, I believe God is wanting to give all of us a fresh revelation of the love of God tonight because here's the reality. We will never love like Jesus if we don't first recognize that we are loved by Jesus. Because you know how Jesus was able to love people so well? It's not just because he was the son of God. It's not just because he was perfect. No, Jesus loved people well, even to the point that he would give when they were taking from him because he, he came from this place. I'm good, bro. I don't need you to love me. I don't need stuff because I am loved by my father. And so I can look at you and I can give to you even when you're taking from me, I can love you because I am loved. The fruit of a Christ-shaped love is this, selflessness, selflessness. Ephesians 5, one through two says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Tony Evans said this, I wanna close with this. The biblical concept of agape love involves giving of yourself for the benefit of others, even at your own expense. Biblical love is defined by passionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. Biblical love is an act of the will, not just a fuzzy feeling in your stomach. That's why God, listen to me, can command us to love one another because love has nothing to do with whether you feel like loving in a particular moment. It has to do with the need of the person being loved, not the feelings of the one doing the loving. So tonight, New Song students, we are called to walk in the way of love, to walk away from the way of selfishness. But you know where that starts? It starts with you and I recognizing, I'm loved. I can love you because I'm loved. I have love to give you because the Lord pours out love on me every single day. We need a fresh revelation of love in God's eyes. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes?